the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Wisdom is far more than having intellectual capacity, ability. Wisdom goes beyond how many degrees you have after your name. You can be very smart and have lots of different degrees and nevertheless not be wise. You can be old and not be wise. You can have lots of things going on in your life that represent what the world would think of as wisdom and yet nevertheless be shy of the wisdom of God because real wisdom is not human wisdom. Real wisdom is wisdom from God's perspective. It's thinking about life, approaching life from God's point of view. Now, wisdom is not just a matter of what you know, it's a matter of what you do. So wisdom is about taking what you know and actually applying it, doing it, living it in everyday situations. And there's no place where wisdom is needed more than in the relationships of life. I think you perhaps have found in living life that there's nothing that will make you happier and nothing that will make life harder than your relationships. If your relationships are going well, it's a wonderful thing. If your relationships are not going so well, it can be a horrible thing. And so up and downs, the up and downs and vicissitudes of life really are connected oftentimes with what's going on in our relationships, the quality of our relationships. And we need wisdom to navigate relationships well. And the Bible really is a book about relationship wisdom. It's about how we have a relationship with God. We often think of the Bible in those terms, but it's not just that. It's also about how to have a relationship with people, how to interact with those around you. And today I'm going to add three more relationship principles that will help us to continue to understand how to take God's wisdom and live it out day by day in the people that we interact with. The first thing today is that the Bible teaches us that pride is one of the biggest relationship problems. If I were to ask you what causes the most problems in relationships, what would you say? In marriage, some people would say communication or finances or a variety of things. But the Bible gets to the root of issues. And the Bible says that the biggest problem in all of our relationships is really one word. And again, what, that, what is that word? Pride. Let's take a look at some scriptures that emphasize this, that teach this to us. Proverbs 13, verse 10. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Proverbs 21, verse 24 says, mockers. A mocker is someone who is contentious or contemptuous in a relationship. So mockers are proud, haughty, and arrogant. Of course, that does not do well or sit well in relationships. Proverbs 22, verse 10, throw out the mocker, that is the contentious person, the contemptuous person, throw out the mocker and fighting goes to quarrels and insults will disappear. The New Testament teaches this also in Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Have you ever tried to hang around with a know-it-all? You cannot get along with them. 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage that teaches us 
what real love is all about. It's where the Apostle Paul lays out the God kind of love. And in verse number four, he gives us one of the character, actually several characteristics of love. One of them that's associated with what we're talking about today. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Real love is not proud. Now, what does the word pride mean? The word pride really symbolizes or speaks of, refers to an elevated or inflated opinion of yourself. It's when you put yourself above other people or think of yourself as superior to someone else. Pride does not necessarily come out openly. Sometimes pride is hidden within our hearts, but we have attitudes toward other people that we think that we're, we're better than them. We know more than they do, that we are more righteous than they are in certain aspects of life. And so we elevate ourselves in some way in our own opinion of ourselves. And pride is a very dangerous thing. It was pride that caused God to kick Lucifer out of heaven. Lucifer, as we know him to be Satan, because pride cannot exist in the atmosphere of heaven. It is anti of this antithetical to the culture of heaven. Pride is. And so pride invites hellish things into our lives. And when we learn humility, it invites heavenly things into our lives. Let me talk to you about some of the impact of pride in relationships. I'll give you five characteristics or five symptoms of pride in relationships. The first thing that pride causes oftentimes is what I would call a victim versus a villain mindset. What does that mean? It means that in a relationship, when there's a problem, a prideful person views themselves as the object where problems are coming their way. They have no responsibility for the problem in the relationship. And the other person is the villain. I'm just the victim. I'm not at fault here. The other person is. And so it's putting people in a view of them being the problem in the relationships rather than ourselves. And many times pride shows itself in this, this characteristic. The second thing comes along with this is a sense of judgment, judgmentalism. Judgmentalism is looking at another person and magnifying their faults over yours. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, the first five verses. He said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and not see the log in your own eye? Why is it so easy for us to see the faults in other people and we we have such a difficult time seeing faults in ourselves? It's because of pride. It's because of judgment toward other people. The third word that I'll give you here, pride demonstrates itself in relationships through an attitude of contempt. The word contempt really means to show disrespect to another person. Anytime you disrespect another individual, you're showing contempt toward them. The fourth one I'll give you here is being argumentative. The Bible says that by pride comes conflict. As a prideful person generally has a tendency to want to argue all the time. They're looking for a fight and they they never want to settle a fight without having the last word. Pride says, I've got to have the last word because I have to be right in this situation. If you get two people in a relationship that both of them are prideful, then they both have to have the last word. And so there never is a last word. And conflicts will go on for days and conflicts will go on for months and conflicts will go on for years because somebody's got to have the last word. Someone is so prideful that they're not willing to say, I'll give you the last word in this situation. So do you see, are you beginning to see that the Bible is so right when it says pride is one of the biggest problems in relationships? I'll give you the last one here that I'm talking about today. And that's the inability to do something that is so vital to relationships, the inability to apologize. 
One of the things that help relationships work is this the ability, the capacity, the willingness to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And many times we don't want to say that to a spouse or to a friend or in a situation, relational situation, because we we are afraid that it's going to make us look weak. It's going to make us look vulnerable. It's going to admit that we've done something wrong. And so the mindset is, I'll apologize when they do it first. And if you've ever gone to a situation before and someone has apologized to you sincerely like that, you know that all the ice melts and everything begins to tenderize when someone just simply offers an apology and owns up to the situation. And what I want to encourage you to do is to be the first person to do that because pride will keep you stepping back from it and saying, no, you've got to wait until the other person does it. No, humility says, let me do it first. Let me take the step and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. So let me encourage you to be aware of the fact that when relationship problems happen, one of the first places you want to look is you want to ask God to help you to address the pride in your life. The second principle today is that the greatest control that you'll ever have in a relationship is self-control. One of the problems we have in our relationships is our need to, our desire to control other people. We want to make them into what we want them to be, to conform into our image. We want them to do what we want them to do so they'll meet the needs that we feel like we have in our lives. And so we try to manipulate them and control them and to change them. Have you ever tried to change another person? All of us have. So that need to change someone is a desire to control them, to get them to become what you want them to be. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with trying to influence another person for good, but everything is wrong with trying to control another person. Because when you step in and try to control somebody else, first of all, it never works. And I'll tell you why it doesn't work. Because control, trying to control another person, is actually an invasion of their will. It is an invasion of their personality. It is an invasion of the God-designed boundaries of their life. Even God does not invade your boundaries. God will work to influence you and to guide you to make decisions. But He waits on you to say yes. He waits on you to respond to Him with your will. That He allows you to choose and to actually give Him control. He doesn't take control from you. And the same needs to be true in our relationships, that we realize we can't control anyone else. And as soon as you start trying to control another person, or you try to manipulate them in some way to get what you want from them, what happens is this, you by nature will create defensiveness in the relationship. Because anytime someone's trying to control you, they're invading your boundaries. And when your boundaries are invaded, you want to defend your boundaries. And sometimes we're trying to energize other people or change other people, put our energy into changing other people when we need to put our energy into addressing ourselves. Controlling yourself is called what? Self-control. Now, according to the Bible, not only is the Bible very clear about the importance of this, but the Bible points us to the places of life and the points of life that we need to control very specifically. And I'm going to talk about two of these today. The Bible says that we need to be very self-controlled when it comes to our mouths. And we need to be very self-controlled when it comes to our emotions. Say those two things with you. Our mouths and our emotions. I'm going to add something parenthetically here. You cannot control your emotions without also controlling your thinking. And I'll describe that for you in a moment. Of course... We could talk about another aspect of self-control and behavior. I'm not going to talk about that today, but I'm talking specifically about these two dimensions in relationships, controlling your mouth and controlling your emotions. Let's start with the controlling of our emotions. You can't control your emotions without also controlling your thinking, because what you think will determine what you feel. Now look at the scriptures and see what it says about this. I'll give you a few of these. Proverbs 14, 29. 
People with understanding control their anger, which is an emotion that comes out of thinking about something. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Proverbs 16, 32. Better to be patient. Patience is an emotion that comes out of a way of thinking. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let's talk about that one just for a moment. Back in ancient times, the only way that a city could provide protection for itself would be by building walls around it. The reason is because that's the way that you protected yourself against any enemy force coming against you. And the Bible says that if you don't have self-control, it's like a city that doesn't even have any walls. That the enemy can come in and plunder you anytime. The adversary can drop some kind of thought in your mind that will create some kind of emotion that can mess up your day. See, a lot of you are going through your days. You have no walls of self-control. Your whole day, the devil's dropping stuff in your life and you're buying into it. And it's messing with you and messing with your relationships because you don't have a wall of self-control. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Notice the next verse, Proverbs 29, verse 11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. For years, there was the theory in in psychological study that the best thing to do with your anger is to vent it. If I feel it, I'm going to tell you. And the idea was that if you blow off your steam, that somehow you're not only going to feel better, but things will be better. What the latest psychological research points exactly to the Bible that proves this, that when you ventilate your anger, all you do is stimulate more anger. It doesn't help you. It actually makes you more angry. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, control your temper for anger labels you a fool. The Bible says if you want to improve your relationships, don't try to control someone else. Try to control who? Yourself, your emotions, your thinking. And then it also describes the importance of controlling what we say, our words. Do you know that you actually have control over when and how you open your mouth and what you say? You do not have to say everything you think. Let's go to the Bible and see what it says about this. Proverbs 10, 19 and 20 from the Living Bible. I love this. Don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible and turn off the flow. When a good man speaks, he is worth listening to. But the words of fools are a dime a dozen. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. It's going to the emotional side of things. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. (laughs) Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power. Notice that phrase. There is power. Your words have power. The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. We all know this, but let's be reminded of it, that when you speak, there's power in your words. And words that come out of your mouth can have the power of reviving and restoring someone. You can speak just a word to someone and it puts life into them. And then your words, you can speak one little word to someone. It's like pulling out a dagger and sticking it in their soul. 
Just one little word can kill something, kill dreams and hopes and aspirations and, and inspiration in their life. So just one little dagger in the soul of a word that's spoken can bring about the death of something inside of an individual. So there's power in your tongue. Proverbs 21, verse 23, this verse alone should change our entire way of relating to people. Keep your mouth closed, okay? And you'll stay out of trouble, amen? Okay. Now, this is the Bible. God says, this is how I want you to begin to live your life. Because self-control is the most important control you will ever have in any relationship. The third thing is that commitment is the glue and forgiveness is the oil that keep relationships strong. Let me give that to you again. Commitment is the glue and forgiveness is the oil that keep relationships strong. The third thing is you have to learn something about commitment and forgiveness because every relationship needs glue and every relationship needs oil no relationship will work without glue and oil you have to have both of these things things that we're familiar with now the glue of a relationship is commitment that's what glues your relationships together and commitment is an inner pledge of loyalty to another person that is outwardly communicated by your words and by your actions. By the way, this is Julio, and he's supposed to be up here, just so you know, all right? If I'm Julio's friend and I'm committed to him as a friend, it means that I have an inner loyalty to him, okay? That I'm inner, inwardly, I'm devoted to him. We have a friendship. I'm devoted to him. But it also means that I'm going to outwardly communicate my loyalty to him by my words and by my actions. When he needs me, I'm there. Whatever I can do for him to be a blessing and help in his life, it, according to my power or ability, I'm going to do it. And so it's not just something I feel toward Julio on the inside in terms of friendship, but I back it up by my, by my actions, by my words as well. I let him know, you're my friend. You're, you're, you're someone that's important to me. And if you need me, I'm there. So it's been said that a friend is someone that walks into your life when everybody else walks out. That's what a friend is. And so it means this, that I'm loyal to him. Okay? It means that whatever I say to him, to his face, I'm not going to step behind him and say something else about him behind his back. I'm not going to say, hey, Julio, you're handsome, you're awesome, you're amazing. Isn't he really ugly? <laughs> but see, there's, there's duplicity. That's what we call being two-faced, right? You say something in front of someone's face and then something else behind their back. That's not what commitment is. Commitment is I'm inwardly loyal in a marriage relationship. I'm inwardly committed to my wife. I love her. I'm committed to her. And I communicate that to her by my words and I demonstrate it to her by my actions. It's not just something that she has to figure out. It's something that I now am communicating to her in an effective way. Proverbs 17, verse 17. Look at what it says. A true friend he is always what? Loyal. When are they loyal? Always. And a brother is born to help in time of need. Proverbs 18, 24. There are friends who pretend to be friends, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Notice the word there, sticks, it's glue, all right? Proverbs 20, verse number six. Many will say they're loyal friends, but who can find, who can find one who is truly reliable? This real loyalty and real commitment is rare. Would you agree that in our culture today, there's not a whole lot of commitment? 
There's not a whole lot of real loyalty. You got a lot of people that will say nice things to your face, a lot of bad things behind your back. The Bible says don't be that kind of person. Proverbs 27 verse 10 says, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. Then you won't need to go to a distant relative for help in your time of need. That is value, long-term commitments, long-term friendships, long-term relationships. So if commitment is the glue, what is forgiveness? The oil. Now, why do we need oil in a relationship? Because friction happens. Stuff happens in relationships that hurt us. And even though we're committed, we still have these hurt points that we're going through. And so we need something that will allow us to lubricate our relationships. And the Bible says that, co- that forgiveness is that lubricant, that capacity to heal and restore. Notice the scriptures, Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love or forgiveness covers over all wrongs. Proverbs 17, verse 9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Proverbs 20, verse 22, don't ever say, I'll get you for that. Wait for God. He'll settle the score. I promise you something that if a score needs to be settled, you can trust God to settle it. Okay. Let's talk about this whole idea of forgiveness being the oil just for a moment. This is a pipe wrench. And pipe wrenches operate by this little mechanism here. This little sort of a, if you will, sort of a gear mechanism that, that you have here that you roll this. It opens up or closes that pipe wrench in the way that it needs to be opened or closed. And what happens oftentimes with pipe wrenches or wrenches of this nature is because they're often used out in watered places and places where it gets moisture. It's not unusual for this section of a pipe wrench to get rusty. And so what happens when it gets rusty is that it becomes very difficult to turn this little mechanism to make the adjustment. Sometimes you cannot turn it at all because of the rust that builds up inside here and on these little gears that, that, are, that are right here. And so it becomes very difficult to move at all. It gets stuck. Everybody say stuck. Okay, stuck. Now, I brought with me today something that is, that is a miracle working product. It's called WD-40, okay? Everybody needs in your life duct tape and WD-40, okay? Any of you guys or, or gals that have ever used WD-40, you know it's absolutely incredible because if this gets rusty, all you need to do is to take this little WD-40 and shoot it right in there a little bit, and it's oil, okay? And what happens is that oil begins to penetrate the rust and begins to cause the rust to break down. And what you're able then to do is you're able to move something that has been very easily that had been stuck before. Even though this is not rusty, it's moving a lot easier now than it was a few moments ago because there's a lubricant there, okay? Something has oiled the surface and now it works. It's functional, okay? You know why a lot of our relationships are not functional? They're dysfunctional. That's what dysfunctional means. They're not functional. Why are a lot of our relationships not functional? Because we have so much gunk build up in our hearts toward one another. That over a year or five years or ten years or twenty years, we've just been accumulating, if you will, rust in our heart toward another person. And we're wondering, why is our relationship stuck? It's stuck because we've let stuff accumulate inside of our hearts. And now that, that accumulation is just there keeping us from being able to move forward. And God has an antidote for that. You know what the antidote is? What's the oil? Forgiveness. It's the willingness to say, I am going to let go 
of the hurts and pains that I've been carrying around with me and I'm going to choose to forgive the other person. I'm not, going, I'm not here any longer to make them pay for what they've done to me. I choose freely and willingly to forgive. And forgiveness is never about the other person. It's not about them deserving it. They may not deserve to be forgiven. It's, it's really not about your feelings. I feel like forgiving. I've never, ever felt like forgiving anyone. It's the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Have, have you? I've never felt like forgiving anyone. I've felt like getting even with people before. How about you? Okay. Have you ever felt that way? We've all felt like getting even. I've never felt a divine inspiration. Oh, I just feel so good. I want to forgive you. No. No. Every time I've ever forgiven someone, it's been an act of the will. It's been a choice that I've made, okay? I choose to forgive this person. And I've noticed something that when I make the choice to forgive someone, it's like, it's like oil that's sprayed. And it take, may, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others, but there's a penetration in my heart that begins to happen. And then where there's been coldness and hardness towards someone, when I choose to forgive them, it's God spraying the oil in my heart. And before long, I'm able to function with that person again like I had not been able to do before. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. I've been searching for ways to grow deeper in my faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.